Downside. So let's get yeah. one. Well, at 1.01, 1. 1, 1. the amp runs out. Done. Right. It can't handle anything instantaneous peak load need beyond that. talked about amplifiers for headphones in a number of, of our, our videos all about the various reasons why you know you need an amplifier <laughs> uh -huh. some people using speaker amplifiers or headphones which is a whole nother topic altogether it's kind of dangerous and all that stuff but you know if you don't know what you're if you don't know the if you don't if man's got to know his limitations right? mm -hmm. but anyway you notice though it seems like the in the higher end of things the better headphones tend to prefer more power. And uh, I don't think we ever actually just kind of explain that, you know, or if people yeah, understand we sort of skimmed why. it, but not really. Yeah. It does seem to be a trend. Overwhelmingly high-end headphones tend to either require or prefer a lot more power than you normally get out of your phone, your laptop, your dongle, or whatever. More power than a traditional thing will put out. And it seems there's a few reasons for that, but I think overwhelmingly, it's sort of because they can. There's trivial benefits often that you could get away with if you have more drive power. There's, there's sort of more leverage afforded to you. There's things you could do in different, different ways you can make the driver um, that may benefit slightly from having more power available. So if you're in the high end anyways, a lot of times there isn't really much of a penalty. Just say, hey, it needs more power than your phone. And on top of that, uh, a lot of times things like laptops or whatever don't really sound the greatest either way. So it kind of sort of kills two birds, two birds there, I guess you would say, because it forces people to require some sort of higher end setup than like just plugging it into a laptop or something. I mean, it's like a known use case, you know. When you're selling like a mass market thirty dollars headphone, yeah. you know you can't expect everybody to know that they need, you know, watts of power, right? You're gonna be plugging into a phone or an MP3 player, or whatever, you know. Yeah, they so. got to make the speaker drivers and those highly efficient and highly compatible with just about any jack that plug that can plug into. <laughs> so yeah, it's a it's, different it's market. It's a top design criteria. Yeah. Whereas in the high end doesn't really matter as much. But the, the, the toss of the coin there is that, you know, one thing you got people need to understand is that power relates to, or the avail available power relates to acoustic pressure. Like how much air can this thing move? And I mean, you know, it's kind of like any machine, right? I mean, you're, you're converting electrical signal to mechanical motion. You know, it, the difference between a, a five horsepower go-kart engine and a 150 horsepower four-cylinder in a car is dramatic in terms of how much work it can do. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with when you're talking about converting to acoustic pressure or energy, uh, the more power you have in reserve or available, um, the more potential air this driver can push up to its limits, obviously. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the things that does vary on the higher end of things is uh, the manufacturers, the headphones know, uh, design it around having power. So the drivers can handle the power. Where if you took like that thirty dollar headphone and plugged it in a big amp, you could just you'd smoke it. You know, if you if you turned the volume up high enough, yeah. you'd probably smoke it pretty quick, 
because those things are made for 50 milliwatts. And here we're running three, four, five, six watts, which is, you know, 50 times the power. So It's like we say all the time. You could design a thing, if you're making it, to do pretty much whatever you want it to do. And all it really means is in the high end, you don't have to worry about power being a limiting factor. Um, when you're making a low-cost headphone, you know it has to be efficient. You have no choice. Because people are going to plug it into laptops and phones and things like that that don't have particularly high power out. And it tends to be preferred from a consumer perspective to have high efficiency as high as efficiency as you can get away with because it means marginally better runtime and things like that. Um, but in the high end, these things aren't really factors. If you can get better sound, that tends to be the preference, even if it's only a really trivial improvement. That's um, the thing with like a lower power device like that. You won't get the dynamics of the music. It's not possible. It can't, it can't move, stop, and start so instantaneously because it has no reserve. There's nothing backing it. Like a big amp has a big power supply more output devices, lower output impedance. All these things help to control the driver, reproduce music. Well, it comes back to that we said before. It's like you can't reproduce like a rock concert with 50 milliwatts, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Yeah, It'll like, never Yeah, It's like you like just it. hear a whisper in the corner yeah. somewhere, you know, it wouldn't make it three feet, you know? Well, it, it truly is a physical thing. There's really no getting around it. Um, even if you had a hyper-efficient driver, which some people would consider to be preferred, you are working against the reality of the human hearing. And you probably could come up with a theoretical estimation of the power required in an ideal situation to move the air to generate this certain sound level and whatnot. But in practice, that sorts tends to be a highly optimistic figure that's sort of unrealistic to achieve. And on top of that, you have other design considerations uh, that tend to be more pertinent in high end. So really just ignoring the power altogether tends to be the preferred thing for high end because it's easier. It makes it so you could focus more on just the sonic fidelity, the performance of the thing, and you can make it achieve whatever you want as long as you're not only worried first and foremost about making it be hyper-efficient because yeah, it that, really isn't that important. It's that end. whole trade-off thing, you know, when you're designing anything, there's, you're, you know, you're trading off yeah. power requirements for, you know, efficiency and or something like that. I mean, it's it's everything's a trade-off, and in the end, yeah, you don't have to worry. Like you said, you don't have to worry about the power being part of the trade-off. It's not. It's no longer variable. It's basically what you consider it to be unlimited as yeah, to what's available basically. to you. And if it's not available, somebody will make an app that. <laughs> that'll run it sooner or later. Well, it's kind of, it's the yeah. difference between asking what do you need and what can you get away with, I guess, to some extent. Because there's certain times where you have physical limitations where you can't use more than this amount of power or whatever. And then you know you have to work around that. But it is a limitation more often than not. You know you can't use more than this. So you have to, as one of your design criteria, this needs to be involved. And it can sometimes interfere with the sound, the performance the cost, the design, the style. Like there could be a huge number of aspects that are influenced by things like this. So simply eliminating something like that as a limitation um, tends to be better. It tends to make it so your device could achieve better performance elsewhere. And Do you remember? Sorry. You remember when we first came out with the 1266? Yeah. What could drive it? Nothing. Not many things. One, only I can think of one. Uh, Ray Samuels, right? Or? No, no, Cavelli. 
Remember at the same time we were working with Alex? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was the liquid fire. He was just finishing the liquid. The liquid fire wasn't bad, but it still was... It was pretty good. It still drove it, but the liquid gold, he was just finishing. Right. Remember, that was a solid state, like I think six watts. I forgot what it was rated for. It was, there was no solid state amp out there that I'm aware of that was that The liquid powerful. gold was best, yeah. And it was the only amp that, at the time, we're talking 2013 yeah. or so, that was the only amp that could actually show what the driver was capable of in terms of impact, speed, bottom end performance, you know. And uh, but yeah, it's funny. But how far we've come now—that was uh, damn near ten years ago. It's sort of a chicken and egg situation, though, mm. because people weren't making high-end, high-power amplifiers because the perception was nothing needed it. And of course, that makes sense. Why would you make a product that doesn't need to exist? Um, generally, I think the probably the the reasonable approach is to make a headphone that achieves the best it can, even if it is hard to drive. That seems to be a slightly more sensible approach. Because making an amplifier for a headphone that doesn't exist, it doesn't really create much of a need for that headphone to exist in the future. But if you make a headphone that's hard to drive, it does sort of make it more likely that people are going to make uh, amplifiers to drive it. I wasn't too worried about it because I've seen the same scenario play out in the speaker world where you had certain manufacturers that would do like 2-ohm, 3-ohm you know, speakers or Speakers that would dip below four at certain ranges. Yeah. And, you know, you'd have amps just blowing fuses. Mm. <laughs> you know? and like, you hit a two ohm or so with most solid state high end amps, and it's it's going to cause an issue with it, unstability, instability, whatever, you know? So, yeah, you had to, there had to be amps made, you know, that could handle like a one ohm load. Right. You know, basically like a pro amp or something like that, you know, but, but smoother sounding. Well, there was one example the uh, K1000. That was demanding. And I remember Wu back then, they had a, a, a setting just for... On the tube amp. Yeah, for the tube amp, just for the K1000. Yeah, it must have had a tap on the transformer, yeah. an output transformer that changed So that was a, an amp that came along I don't know what the impedance of that headphone was, do you? No. It must have been low, you know? Presumably. Probably yeah. like a dead short. <laughs> for the day, at least. But that's the thing. I mean, you know, it, with, when you have when you have an amplifier that has a decent power supply and, and, and low output impedance, it... It doesn't have a problem driving through the various loads, which is another reason a bigger amp is better because some headphones are 10, 16 ohms and others are 100, 300. So, you know, when you get to the higher impedance headphones, they're looking some, for some voltage. You're looking for some gain from the system to be able to drive them properly, and, and which a big amp will have. And then on the lower end of things, right, to drive like 16 ohms or 10 ohms or whatever, the lower impedance ones, they're looking for more current. And again, a bigger amp will have a bigger power supply and lower output impedance be capable to drive that current into the load. So you could say a bigger amp is more universal, even though it's a bit scary with some of the higher frequency be. stuff because you you got to watch, you got to understand the limits of the volume control. And, you know, a lot of the amps have gain settings too. So usually if you're getting a headphone amp, you'll, a bigger headphone amp, most of them have high and low gain. And so on a higher, so you still get the, you know, the, what do you call it, the benefit of having low output impedance, big power supply. Right. It just doesn't, the volume has more range. You don't have to worry about turning it up too high. It's sort of like anything. Having more power and not needing it usually is better than not having the power and needing it. Sometimes there are some design compromises that are made to make a high power amplifier, but intrinsically that isn't really the case. So it tends to be the preferred approach to design the headphone as best you can ignoring the power requirements. And sometimes it just so happens that 
um, the way you wanted the design, you want it to be, say, more tolerant of leakage or um, poor seals or something like that. And as a result, you need dramatically more energy and acoustic pressure. Um, but there's a multitude of reasons why. Maybe you, you're a planar magnetic and you benefit from the, um, the electrical damping factor of having a low output impedance amplifier. And then in that case, you want high power amp typically. And there tends to be a few different design considerations that, that benefit from having higher power amplifiers. And the thing that people seem to get confused on, it's really not about the power. You always see people do the calculations and say, oh, at this volume level with this efficiency, yeah. you need, you don't need this much 52 milliwatts, which is true. Yeah. It's sort of misleading because there tends to be other factors at play. Um, although those numbers are true, you really don't need a lot of power. That doesn't mean you need a low power amplifier because usually it's very hard and sort of not really feasible for most manufacturers. Well, and you just set yourself up for a ceiling. I mean, you just now that's the ceiling for the system. If you say, well, you only need one watt. But you could have two or three. Why not, right? But you don't need one. Well, what's the downside? So let's get yeah. one. Well, at 1.01, the amp runs out. Done. Right. It can't handle anything instantaneous peak load need beyond that. So now, say you want to play with EQ and you're bumping up the 30 hertz range a few dB, you're clipping your amp because it's now demanding 1.2 watts on peaks. Yeah, <laughs> what is very uncommon you know? to actually need more than one watt. Um, so it is... It's sort of a difficult thing to get across, but the I think the easiest way to put it is if you're building the best of the best, if you're putting together a system uh, that you want to be as good as it could be, it tends to be better just to give it more than you need, and then you know you have enough. You know that's not no longer the limiting factor. Overhead, yes. Right, yeah. like, <laughs> well, it's an effortless sound. I mean, yeah. you know, that's what that's what you get typically. Like like home, I'm run, I run on my speaker system. I got 500-watt solid-state models, right? I've had them for years. And I love big mono amps. I love the sound of that with speakers versus a stereo lamp, like a hundred water. Yeah. You know, because I've, and again, you could do the same calculations on an eight ohm speaker, ninety some dB efficient. You know, you don't yeah. need a hundred watts. You can get away with five or ten more comfortably. But right. you know, it depends. Depends what you're listening to. Depends if you're if you're indulging yourself with certain things like you know. Something like an AC-DC track or something well, with some serious bottom Depends on the speakers, too, because some speakers have, like, wild swings at certain frequencies. Yeah. And, but just yeah. to have it on tap, right? yeah. the, the sound's more effortless. Like, you, with a 100-watt amp, guaranteed, you will hear it run out. It oh, will yeah. sound like the system just craps out at a certain level, and it makes dynamics and stuff compressed almost sounding. Mm -hmm. And the same with headphones. Oh, yeah. You know, it just, you go from, wow. Something, when it hits hard, it's not as visceral as it could be. Now you go from like a one-watt headphone amp to a five-watt headphone amp. Yeah, you know, a real doesn't happen watts. anymore. Yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden, wow, that bass impact is crazy good. And it's just a change in an amp. Same speakers, same well, I everything. I run into that, I said this before, like with my uh, receiver, you know, it's trying to drive seven channels or whatever, you know, at 100, watt, 100 watts a channel, right? But, yeah, you get like that last like 10, you know, yeah. In, in the in the range and it's like it's not getting any louder yeah, it just runs and out. then and then and then it just shuts off well, the power <laughs> supply the power supply just ran out yeah i mean that's the thing when you buy like three couple hundred dollar receivers yeah versus a couple thousand one of the things you're paying for in the more expensive designs is a much larger power supply mm -hmm. beefier output transistor stages that can drive more current into a load uh, everything just gets bigger when you pay typically when you pay more and 
you know, and it's, again, for a lot of systems with people who are driving the shit out of them, it's quite noticeable, quite well, noticeable. Here's what everybody should do. Get some uh, Macintosh monoblocks and then watch the meters. Yeah. It's like, that That explains it right there. You know, you're like, most of the time you're like, well, we're using like two watts. Yeah, it's funny. But it how goes the, up to 300, right? Those big watt, watt meters that they do, <laughs> yeah. show wattage, yeah, when you're playing it, like... You need like two. They yeah. don't move a lot. No. And all of a sudden something yeah. will happen. And whoa! Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, whoa! <laughs> and it's so quick that the meter can't even keep up with it, right? Because it's a freaking analog meter, right? You can't watch it, but it's, it's it shows you that all yeah. of a sudden something occurred and bam, and all of a sudden it's calling for... A, who knows how much because the meter can't keep up with the peak. There's a lot of complexities involved, and I think it's sort of a difficult thing to really describe easily. But generally, there's overwhelmingly technical benefits from having the power and not needing it and very little, if any, downside. Um, generally speaking, amplifiers perform best when they're not run at heavy load. So if you could get more power and not use most of it, that usually works best, and yeah. since audiophiles tend to be looking for the best of the best, that's sort of the best approach, usually. Have more than you need. Yeah. And, you know, and again, sound-wise. Now, one thing to consider, though, don't there is there are trade-offs between how much power you have and what the amp actually sounds like. You know, you don't want to go for a 50-watt amp. You know, or a speaker amp or something. And well, there's no point there. It doesn't sound right. <laughs> mm. It just doesn't right. sense. The to tonality's off because that amp wasn't really designed for headphones. It was designed for speakers in a room. You know, crossovers, whole different system. That's sort of a fair so point, though. you got to watch what you mix it with. We're sort of saying, well, more power's better, which to some extent, yes. But at some point, you start to run into other issues where right. intrinsic in the design to make a 1,000-watt amplifier um, you run into other compromises. You need high gain. And stuff yeah. like that. You need more gain stages. You run into you need noise parts, problems, bigger power supplies. <laughs> yeah, now the power supply, because you're running 1,000 watts, might be noisier on the quieter passages because right. it's a huge supply. It's drawn out. So, yeah, you re you go, you basically, it's kind of like a bell curve. Let's look mm -hmm. at it that way, right? You're at the somewhere you want to be up here at the top of the bell curve. You don't want to be too low, you don't want to be too high. And that bell curve is a variable depending on what you're There's a very large window here. I mean, you could yeah. easily drive most headphones with 100 milliwatts, 200, 500 milliwatts, yeah. and all the way up to 1, 2, maybe 5, 10 watts. But above like 10 watts, pretty much no headphone really benefits. Yeah, yeah that, you get into damage, highly capable right. of damaging something. You don't territory. need 100 watts or something. There's no point. It doesn't. Yeah. You're beyond diminishing returns by such a margin. It's pointless at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, there is definitely an issue when you get too well, big. Well, it's probably more just the character of the amp at that point that you like. Right. Yeah. Not the right. massive overkill headroom, you know. Yeah. yeah, so. And, again, we could get in other things like tube amps versus solid state, which is a whole different topic altogether. But, mm -hmm. right. you know, they have different characteristics when they're put under load and used and different sound, sonic characteristics. So, yep. again, people who already have gone through both of that understand that they're, and usually someone they'll pick they'll pick a side. Some people are solid state kind of people and some people are tube people. It's the same with speaker amps. Well, it sort of is similar enough though between tube and solid state. You start hitting a point where it starts to become actually somewhat more difficult to make an amplifier with that power level. So to make the price point, the size, the form factor, the efficiency where it needs to be or whatever, maybe they're pushing things harder than they would otherwise. Like you don't see a lot of thousand watt class A amplifiers. None. Right? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's problematic to design something like that, right? Yeah. Not to say it's not theoretically it's possible. Space of course yeah. it is. But it, there starts to become design considerations, thoughts, and whatnot that start to become a limiting factor in higher power. So you start to see this transition 
as the power starts to really escalate and it changes how you're going to design the amp. Um, and below like five or 10 watts, usually you could pretty much do whatever you want. Heat isn't really a big issue. Cost and size tend to not be an issue in these factors like that. So yeah, you start to run into diminishing returns and cost concerns and size, space, weight. And that, that all gets weighed out by the amp manufacturer. Right. You know, they figure it out. Yeah. They'll do class A for the first couple of watts and they'll switch to AB operation for the higher, more you know, when it requires more power and all that good stuff. They, They've been all kinds of novel approaches to amplifier design and how it handles hmm. shifting gears when you suddenly call upon it to go beyond it, above and beyond. You know? Well, yeah, I, it, I saw an interesting approach not too long ago. New amp. Here we go. Macintosh again. They have a new like amp out that's it's a, a tube amp and a solid state amp all in one. So it's made for solid state for the lows and then tube for the mids and highs. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It has separate speaker terminals or what? Yeah, so, yeah it's oh, like so it's, huge. So it's, bi it's a yeah. bi-amp. Two, two yeah. amps in one. No, yeah. That's it's almost one. silly. At that point, most well, that's like when you don't amps. have, the, the price isn't really as much of a concern. Oh, right. You yeah. can do stuff like that. Yeah. It's probably made for some sort of speaker that they're into. Maybe. You know, because I could see that with certain designs where you're running a really large woofer on a speaker. Yeah. And it wants solid state. And it's just impractical yeah. to get the power. Yeah, and the, the tubes. Yeah. Can, tubes. Can't, yeah, the pitons is an issue. The yeah. amp can't control the woofer. Just too much EMF going on there to deal with. So, but anyway, yeah, it's probably made for certain speakers. And again, you know, that's the thing, though. When you get in the upper end of things, you're running two, three, four bass drivers, right, right. in parallel or some some series parallel config. It's usually demanding, you know. Usually you're going to kind of try to, like, parallel them as much as you can, right? So if you're running two, three woofers and it's, it's a four-ohm load, you know, and each woofer is like 16 or 14 ohms or some crap, right? You're dropping to four, you know, you're going to, again, you know, the amplifier is going to need to have some serious power supply and current reserve uh, to be able to drive that speaker through, which tubes would be tough to do. You're, the, what would happen is you'd wind up with a really low damping factor from the tube stage, and the speaker would go boom, boom for bass instead of boom, boom, tight, right? Because it doesn't have the control. The, mm. the tube amp has got a few ohms output impedance. Right. Trying to drive a four ohm load, <laughs> and it's like, well, half the power is getting lost in the in the amp, just you know, just in um, in current loss. So it doesn't work like that real well for sounds. So. so that was their compromise. Yeah, that was their thing. <laughs> it's like, all right, we're gonna make a beefy solid state design just for that. Mm. Kind of like subs, right? Subs are the same way. They're they got Class D switchers in there that are running two, one, two, three thousand watts. That's true. Of power. Yeah, you don't see tube powered no. stuff. It's not. That's it's just not a too much power. Yeah, right. It's just not practical. Right. Can't do way it. Too well, you can't fit it in the box, and they be they're usually all enclosed and everything, so you can't have like tubes inside a box. So. I remember the older designs from uh, was it Definitive? Def remember Definitive Audio? They still exist. Years ago, yeah, they're still <laughs> around. Yeah, Sandy Gross started that company and sold it for a while ago and started it. Um, Another one. Now he sold that. I guess he's out of it. Oh, really? Yeah. I just found out uh, not too long ago he sold... Um, Golden Ear? Yeah, Golden Ear, yeah. yeah. I don't know who bought it. Audio Quest? I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, he their, their subs ran right off the line. You plug it in the wall, and I don't remember how, what they were doing, but there was no transformer, which is kind of scary. <laughs> you know? It's just like rectified. ran right AC. off a of 120 yeah. rectified. Yeah, it was yeah. like 170 volts power supply. So they basically had unlimited rail voltage to deal with the, the sub. And, you know, well, whatever, it's cheaper. Whatever the wall will give you. Yeah, so. Yeah, don't open them, though. Yeah, don't yeah, open them. Yeah, the, yeah, while they're plugged yeah, in. Yeah, 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 really. Yeah, you got a lot of voltage there at all times, you know? And no isolation, really. But, yeah, that was a cheap and dirty way of making a sub, which is run it right off the line voltage and rectify. Subs don't care all that much, so it makes sense. <laughs> mm. Yep. But, anyway, we really got sidetracked as yeah, usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there you go. There's the whole reason why well, bigger well, can be better. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, sort of, kind of, yeah. 
yeah. always pretty much technical reasons. Yeah. It's just sort of easier, better, or whatever. And just be careful because as you get bigger, you get a little more dangerous. You got to have control, mm. self-control. You can't just hammer the volume on anything. Yeah. yeah. You mm. got to understand the limitations of the driver. That thing could sound pretty good at higher levels. You get some clean sounding headphones and it'll play through as loud as you get right to the point where it stops playing. Mm. Yeah. And then it's like, yep. oh, that was the limit. <laughs> right so anyway take care everyone hit subscribe we need more subscribers to make sure that people know we're around mm -hmm. take care thanks